This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. We are back here on a Tuesday. What a beautiful morning in downtown Decatur. The sun is up. Doesn't it feel hopeful out there? Looks great. Look, looks optimistic. If it, I, I really think it can look mm-hmm. optimistic. And, you know, it's an interesting segue uh, into our next interview. You know, I, I've been a, a, a fighter for District 61 for a, a long time. My parents graduated from Eisenhower High School. I graduated from Eisenhower High School. Our guy graduated from Eisenhower High School. Uh, you are a MacArthur kid uh, in District 61 your whole life. We intentionally, even though we could have, uh, he could have gone to high school in Mount Zion, we made sure uh, that he stayed in Eisenhower. We had, I was, I, was, I was taken aback by the questions of people that I know about that decision. It was like at Johns Hill, it was K through eight, English as a second language. I mean, I remember his kindergarten year thinking it's like, this is like the United Nations. I mean, he had three years of Spanish by the third grade. And we had our experience. And, and I know that our experience isn't everyone's experience, even in the same classroom or the same building, right? But we had 12 good years. And never once uh, in those 12 years, I'm not saying we didn't have a teacher he didn't like as much as another one. I mean, it wasn't perfect. But we never, ever worried about his safety or, or him going to school uh, it just, it, you know, even though he's walking the same hallways and same lockers, the same, you know, as everybody else, it just never was a concern. And I think I had this conversation with people over the years because their perception was completely different than my reality. And their perception was based on social media or whatever. I mean, it wasn't based on being in the school or talking to the teachers or dropping off or picking up or going to the the band concert. It was based on just what they thought about whatever. And I don't know how, I had a long conversation with Dr. Morris yesterday. Uh, we had a meeting and, you know, I, I realized that, you know, our guy was pretty smart and he was in AP classes and maybe he wasn't in some classrooms where there's a whole different experience. You talk to teachers and there's some teachers just like every other profession that just love to gossip right? Just can't wait to run down the place they work. Thankfully, it's not most of them, right? We've had how many principals in here over the last three, four months, you, you know, with their teachers? We were just had Parsons in here, you know, last Friday, two young teachers. When I say young, one of those uh, uh, teachers, you know, is literally, this is her second semester of teaching. They're excited. They're thrilled about what they're doing. They had a big event they were proud of. So Somewhere between this ugliness over here of this is a cesspool and nothing but fights and nothing but problems, and then our experience over here of having 12 really good years, there's probably a lot of truth all through the middle of that, right? So it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Clark back to the studios to have a conversation about some of this stuff. I I, I don't know. I I think it's easy. I'm not optimistic. I'm a, I'm a realist, I think, in life. I, I, I think we amplify everything today, and people forget that, that a fight in my high school days would have been broken up by a teacher, and maybe somebody got suspended, or maybe they just got sent back to the classroom, but 12 video it, and then share it on social media, and then have people from all over the place weighing in. You know, it gets so much more amplified today. It does. So somewhere between that and you sending out this robocall and this message, what is the truth right now in District 61? I mean, is it out of control? I mean, you know, what's going on? Well, the truth is it's the secondary level more than anything. Um, I don't know if it's the water. I don't know if it's the temperature rising. 
but we are experiencing more disruptive behaviors and more fights at our middle school and high school level than we've had before. So, my, so it is worse than it was. It is. Okay. It is. And so what I'm trying to get um, everyone to understand is that I don't want to say, oh, no, there's no fights. There's, that's not happening. But I don't want everyone to forget that we have a great large population of students that are doing the things they're supposed to do. My message um, is to those families with these very students saying, hey, help me. You know, we cannot continue like this. I don't want to send them home. They're coming home if they fight. Is this what you want in terms of their education? All right. So what is the what is the punishment or or the consequences of of a fight in a middle school today? Uh, You can be suspended up to 10 days or even expelled from school for up to two years. Okay, the expelling part I get, you know, we went through this years ago with Courtney Carson and and Jesse Jackson. And, you know, you you changed his life, you, you know, that moment. But but clearly, I don't think anyone wants to go to that place if you don't have to. Absolutely not. Um, we are already still dealing with COVID. Our kids are two years behind and we're trying to play catch up. Having to be out for an additional two years is only going to hurt that. Yeah, student. they're going to crawl out of that. Most of them aren't. Um, so is this a certain percentage of kids that keep repeating the problems? Is it a larger percentage? I mean, I know it's hard to generalize, but I mean, you know, is it a percentage of the population that keeps causing the same problems? I'm going to say we're actually working on these numbers, but I'm going to say about 5% of the student population. I can tell you if you talk to any one of my principals, they can identify exactly who the students are. I remember when they we were just back to school and I was in an elevator with Cordell Ingram uh, from MacArthur uh, and, and they were having some run-ins. This was a year or two ago. You know, and he said to me, you know, it's like you can have eight kids, you know, in a high school that causes, takes up 90% of your time dealing with. Correct. Absolutely. So therefore, we're both kind of right. I mean, you know, I didn't worry about sending our kid to school because it wasn't just a prison riot. You know, it, it was a handful of percentage of people causing a lot of the problems. Yes. And you're talking about, like I said, mainly at the secondary level. But think about those 95% of the kids that never had a referral. Yeah. I mean, that is awesome. But you don't hear about that. So how do you balance um, taking, uh, you know, first of all, uh, that's going to translate into the classroom, right? So the teacher is going to take a, a huge chunk of their time dealing with that 5%. Yes. Uh, the administration is going to take a huge amount of their time dealing with that 5%. And we all know we got a lot of work to do for that 95% that's there to learn. we yes. got a long way to catch up. Uh, And and I think that everybody expects us to do a better job in public education. Correct. Correct. But that is why I sent that video message. Um, And it was meant for my staff and for my students to let them both know I see and hear you every day. And so me coming here and me just speaking to my parents through the robocall says, hey, remember when we signed up for school, we said we were going to obey the code of conduct. Okay, obey the code of conduct or else your child will be disciplined. All right. And are we seeing, is there any sort of, um, I don't know, when you look at what's happening across, you know, several buildings, I mean, is there anything that you're learning from it? I mean, or, or why the behavior has increased? I mean, I know COVID, you know, you know uh, did a number on a lot of people, kids and adults alike, uh, you, you know, socialization skills, all that, you know, when you're sitting behind a screen, but we're, you know, a year and a half out of that. I, I mean, what, what do you chalk up the behavior and why middle school kids? Social media. 
Okay. That's all they've known for two years, and they continue to so go to that. So beef starts on that, and somebody gets upset about something, and right. they're taking it out physically. Exactly, and they wait until they come into the school because that's their safety net. Someone is going to break it up. All right, so what about, uh, are you worried about weapons? Are you worried about those kind of things? Or is this just sort of fisticuffs in the hallways and stuff that gets broken up quickly? Well, a lot of it gets broken up quickly. I don't worry about weapons, but I'm not naive either because I know our kids um, will have access because they live with adults that have access. But I don't worry about that part of it. I worry about the fact that they are fighting in the streets and carrying it over into the schools, and they're actually hurting one another. And do you you've been an educator for a long time? Yes. Is this a noticeable different in difference in this age group with this behavior, or is this something that's been coming down the line for a long time? I, I think it's been coming, and we just didn't see it in the very beginning. Um, like you said, we had fights when I was a kid too. We fought all the time as kids, but it was simple. I beat you up, and now we're friends again. That's now how it is now. Uh, and we see that with, uh, you know, we had a 16-year-old, uh, you know, arrested the other night uh, for murder or attempted murder. Uh, you know, you see the school of a grade school kid bringing a gun to school and right. getting shot, you know, not here but elsewhere. How, how do you keep, uh, and I, I know you hired Val and you mm -hmm. got, you know, that should help, right, with yes. somebody having that be their primary focus about safety in the buildings. But how do you balance the 5% and not wanting to ruin their lives forever, but not allowing them to take the other 95% and keep them from being educated. Well, I, unfortunately, I have to do what I'm doing here today, and that is get my message out as far and as wide as I can, because we are there now. We are suspending kids, and we will expel those kids that are very, very egregious in their behaviors. And what about the parents? You, you know, when this happens, you know, student A gets suspended for 10 days, do the parents get involved? Are they of any help? Are they part of the problem? We need more parent involvement for sure. We do reach out. We have our meetings. But the parent has to be able to control the child. So we can send them home with the understanding if this happens again, then we will do X, Y, Z. That same child will come back after suspension and do something else. And uh, is there any intervention? I mean, is there any way to be proactive with some of these kids? You, you know, I, I, I don't think kids are born bad. I mean, I, I think it's environment. It's a lot of things. But, I mean, is there a different way of dealing with this 5% of the student population than just putting them in a classroom hoping they get along with everybody else? No, we actually teach the behaviors we expect. We don't, um, we don't believe kids should be penalized for something we haven't taught them. So that's how we start our day off teaching them about what they should do, or well, I should say the week, actually. Parsons, uh, you know, who were just in, you know, they, they set up, I mean, the kids help write the rules. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so if you're starting at that young of an age, then by the time you get to middle school and high school, that means you know it. And the Code of, Hon Code of Conduct Handbook, it doesn't change frequently. We only change uh, when policies have to change or when legal things change. But the Code of Conduct is the same basic rules year after year. All right. Uh, I, I know you hate doing this, and I don't blame you. I, I mean, you'd rather spend your time talking about the 95% of the other stuff that's going on with District 61. But I think if you don't talk about it, you know, nature hates a vacuum, and then you let somebody else own the narrative, and then people just make stuff up on social mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. Do you have, uh, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit off the air. You, you share as much as you're comfortable sharing, but I feel like we're losing some some administrators, and, and I don't know if that's by design or plan or just people and life choices, but, you, you know, 
when you put the two together, uh, the outside narrative is it's getting so bad people are leaving. Yeah, and that's really not the case. You have a lot of great people that we've been working with, but they're taking other jobs elsewhere because there is time for them. They have promotions um, that they are not able to get at this point in time. When you're in education, it's a very long time before you're able to really move up in the ranks. Yeah, but I mean, when, when I think about the two principals, you know, that like we've lost both of mm-hmm. them now. You know, one of them is now going to be an athletic director. But it didn't like yes. what that didn't seem like a, a you know. And I'm not asking. I know the personnel stuff is is personnel stuff, but just can you assure me as somebody who supports the district even though sometimes the district can be very frustrating to yeah. support that you don't have a bunch of people that have been around a long time bailing because it's that bad no and i will tell you that i'm having conversations with the individuals that are leaving um and none of them has said it's because of the kids no uh, but it, that doesn't mean it isn't because of the system or or you know people in charge i mean we've got a lot of you know staff that haven't been happy for a long yes. time and i know that's something that, that we'll talk about down the road. Um, but you're not concerned with, you know, veterans leaving because of how it's playing out day by day in, in the classrooms and the hallways of District 61. No, I'm not concerned at this time. I will tell you, we're going to make changes and they're probably going to shock a few people. But like I said before, when I was hired, I'm going to always do <clears throat> excuse me, what is best for kids. All right, so you've, you've been here how long now? This is my first full year as superintendent. All right, I, could, you could, you know, I, time is funny because, <laughs> you know, you, you could have said six months, and I think I would have believed you're a year and a half. you got to come in and learn, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, a good leader doesn't come in kicking in doors day one because you got to take it all in and get the lay of the land. And you're quiet, you know, and I don't mean that as an insult, but your personality isn't brash. I mean, you're not out there, uh, you know, looking for the TV cameras. But now it's a year and you got the lay of the land. Now you're going to start putting your your print on this stuff. Absolutely. We have to see an uh, increase in academic achievement. And that's my goal. And that's what I believe I owe my my parents and my community. We want productive citizens. And so I have to make that happen. All right. So there will be future changes we'll be talking about down the road. Yes. All right. So if you had a new parent, you know, uh, somebody starting, you know, kindergarten of next fall and, you know, you wanted to tell them, you know, District 61 is the place to put their kids. You're comfortable telling them that their kids are safe and, and that you guys are all working as hard as you can to provide the very best education you can to that child. Absolutely. And I would also tell that parents stay involved. And talk to your kid on a regular basis. Ask those questions that our parents asked us growing up. How was your day? What did you learn today? Did you make any new friends? Anything interesting happening? I don't know if these conversations are happening anymore. Well, and, and that to me doesn't even, that that's just like bare minimum you should yes. be doing as a parent. But when you think get involved, Lindsay was always like, you know, the band club and the, you know, running the concession stand and doing the volunteer. And you, yes. there's a very few people that do that, right? I mean, it's generally the same faces you see over and over again. Absolutely. And I'm glad they're there because they make up a, a lot of the work. Nick, did you have something you wanted to jump in? Yeah, I was thinking about earlier when you said that, uh, you know, approximately 5% are the bad kids, which means 95% of your students are there to learn and and to participate and to just go about their business and and you know as these incidents happen and, and they're isolated incidents and you know they might get chained together do you feel that the re, the response within the buildings to the inst- instances are allowing the 95% of the kids to be able to not lose a school day because of it, to be able to come in the next day and feel like it has been cleaned up enough so that this thing doesn't, uh, you know, start to seep into the experience for the other 95. 
I can tell you that it is definitely um, affecting that 95% because you have to remember they're doing the right things all the time and they don't like to see their fellow classmates, you know, get involved this way. But the next day they want to have conversations about what took place and what can we do differently? You know, I have a, a student youth ambassador group and we talk about these things and they tell me how they talk with their friends and how they try to get them to do something different or come meet with us or hang out with us. Um, and it does affect them. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't. It can't but affect them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think once again, the impact is the amplification. Yes. I, you know, it, it, you know, in 1984, a fight happened in a certain hallway. The 30 kids that saw that saw that the rest of the school didn't even know what happened. Exactly. Now, every time something happens, every kid in that school, every parent, everybody that's not a parent, everyone sees it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's unfortunate because, like you said before, we we put some things in place for cell phones. They're not supposed to be out. Um, but because of Columbine and all the things that have been happening, you can't. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, that, that horse is out of the barn. I, I, you know, but but there are with that comes extra things that yes. people have to keep in context. Um, it, you know, is that, you know, is it different today than it was yesterday? Is there always been 5%, you know, of any population? I mean, I don't know what the, the general population is about people committing crimes, but there's always a percentage of people that aren't going to follow the rules, right. uh, no matter how many rules you put in place, no matter how many police officers you have, no matter how many, whatever you have, there are just a certain amount of people. And generally those people are having kids that grow up the same way. Yes. Yes. And you said it yourself. Parents don't give birth and say, oh, I hope my child grew up to be a fighter every day. No, I, I can't imagine they do. But there's also we know horrible situations that, that you even the five percent of the kids uh, who are doing this, you know, maybe living through things in their lives that most of us could barely comprehend. Which I get, which is one of the reasons why I said if you need us, reach out and let us help you. There is another way to resolve these problems other than you being disruptive in class or fighting your fellow classmate. All right. What, what's the, if you had to guess, you, you know, and I know it would be different individually, but what, what's the temperature right now across the district? You know, are people hopeful, optimistic, cynical, down, you, you know, you know, I've talked to some principals and people who describe it as sort of like the waters, you know, right up to their chin. And I get that you teachers today, administrators today have to do a whole lot more than you had to do 30 years ago. Right. Yes. But what do you think the temperature is from your own staff? Um, after the video went out, I received a lot of feedback about, you know, thank you. My my kids needed to see this. Um, Joe Besswini reached out to me and said, hey, my class were so involved. They had great conversations. Thank you. So I believe they recognize that we're in this together and this is enough, like enough is enough. We're moving forward and we're going to do what we have to do to support the other 95 percent. All right. And then what will Val's role be in this? You know, now that you have somebody that's going to focus on building security mm -hmm. and safety for kids in classrooms, how do you see that moving forward? Well, he's already started in the schools, reaching out to principals to try to figure out, you know, where the need is. He's already talking about some after-school activities that he can do with that percentage. But he's also working with our police department. What else is out there that we can do together? All right. Um, I would suggest, uh, I'm glad that you came in today. I, I truly am. Uh, and and I, I hate having to talk about this because I, I do think it, it's not the vast experience. I mean, I've just been in too many schools, and the problem is 
too many people in the public haven't. Uh, and, and maybe there's a way for the district to, to do more of that, you, you know, beyond, you know, every Friday we, you know, tell a story from a different building or a different program. Uh, and, but I think, once again, nature hates a vacuum. If people don't have another narrative, they just put their own in. Right. And whether that's reality or not, it doesn't matter. And then that gets piled on and piled on and piled on on social media. And, you know, that's somebody else writing your narrative. Exactly. Exactly. And we want to continue to tell our own story and we want to tell it accurately, right. the good and the bad. So am I still showing up as principal for a day Absolutely. at Eisner? Right. Absolutely. It's only a day. It's okay. No, I'm just saying I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't want the job. Uh, there, There is uh, the acting, I guess, is it the vice principal? Do we still have vice principals? We ha- Yes, we do. Is that what they're still called? They're called assistant principals. Okay, assistant principals. <laughs> APs, if you've been listening. I know. I, 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 that, that stuff just goes right over my, the acronyms. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll give you a little taste of that. And we appreciate you coming in today. I really do. Thank you for having me. Dr. Rochelle Clark, the uh, superintendent of District 61. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.